Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. Here at The Art of Charm, we may not have all the answers, but we certainly have some of the questions. Today, it's Fan Mail Friday, which means those questions are coming from you. All right, let's get straight to it. Dear Jordan and the AOC team, I've been listening to the show for more than a year now, and I'd like to thank you for all your hard work and dedication towards making life a little easier for all of us. This is an unpleasant email, but I had to get your insight. Last week, my ex went missing for two nights. The local police found her, and she'd attempted to commit suicide by taking a bunch of pills. She's now recovering and going to the hospital and therapy on a daily basis, but she can barely walk or eat. The news was devastating, and I'm still in denial. I keep thinking about the what-if scenario. We'd been dating for over three years, up until a few weeks ago, where after a huge fight, I told her that I'd like to take a break and think about where our relationship is going. The first few days, I was fuming with anger because of the fight, but once I calmed down, I realized that this relationship is really not what I want for my life and for my future. Over the past three years, we shared an extremely intimate relationship. We were each other's first, and neither of us had ever been in a serious relationship. Despite the wonderful memories we made together, I have to admit we had so many fights that involved families and friends, which eventually pushed me to the point to say, I don't want this, and I called it off. We weren't compatible with one another, and being with each other would have gone past compromises and involved heavily changing our personalities and behaviors just for the sole purpose of being with each other. She's a beautiful, intelligent, and loyal woman who loves me to death, literally. I love her, too, and had lots of ideas in my head about a future with her, but can't continue to ignore the obvious signs that we're just not meant to be together. It simply isn't going to work for me. Being the logical person in the relationship, after I took my time off, I broke the news that I don't want to be with her anymore. A few months back, I read Robert Glover's No More Mr. Nice Guy, and I can 100% say that I'm overly nice. The book mentions, on average, when nice guys want to get out of a relationship, they have eight to nine failed breakup attempts before succeeding. Although I don't know how many times I tried to break up, I always ended up back with her. Primarily because I loved her and kept telling myself that things will improve and we'll move forward and forget about everything. While things worked great for some time, shit soon hit the fan and there we were again. So this time I told myself, if you break up with her, you better go all the way. After I told her that I don't want to be with her, she broke down in tears. And for the following days, she ignored my statement and tried to be nice and win me back. She kept saying that you're angry and once you calm down, you'll come back again. But I stood my ground. She still has a very hard time understanding and grasping the fact that I don't want to be with her anymore. The fact that I'm unhappy with the relationship doesn't register, and she keeps saying it's not my fault. She promised she'll do things differently, but the truth is that it's way too late. That's when she started talking about killing herself. I was so shocked to even hear it, but kept telling her that that's crazy and she shouldn't even think about such things. This brings us to the last week, when after she kept calling and texting me all day, I lost my temper and told her that I really don't care about her and am not going to take her back. And that's the night she went missing. This entire sequence of events took place over the past three weeks. Luckily, all this happened when she was back in her own country for the summer visiting her parents. So they were able to look after her and take her to therapy sessions and doctor's appointments and place her under a 24-7 watch. All this brings me to my question. She's going to come back to the States within two to three weeks. What the hell do I do? How do I behave? Do I keep contact or do I not keep contact? The truth is, I truly, from the bottom of my heart, care for this woman. Us two together doesn't work for me. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't want to be there for her and see her become a successful person in life. But at the same time, I don't want to let her not move on by being around her. Ever since her recovery started, I promised her that I'll stay in touch and talk only if she remains stable and doesn't harm herself. I want both of us to move past this and look forward to life, but this whole situation is extremely stressful and depressing. I know if I cut all ties with her, she'll do something crazy like this. 
But at the same time, how do I then stand with my decision to end this? Thank you so very much for taking the time to read this. I simply don't know where else to go. I haven't talked about this with any family or friends because I don't want their opinion to make matters worse. I look forward to hearing back from you. Regards, Seth. Wow, this is intense. I'm very sorry to hear about this. This is really sad because it's it's clearly just like young emotion, overflowing, and oh man, this poor guy and poor girl as well. People just don't see the timeline when they're that young. You know, you don't zoom out and think, in 10 years, I'm never going to think about this. Or in five years or in one year, I'm never going to even worry about this. It's going to be so different. But good call on No More Mr. Nice Guy. We'll link to that in the show notes. Great book. We interviewed him a decade ago. So this is admirable of you, Seth. You're doing a lot of things right. But here is what I see as the problem. And and look, I want to disclaim this by saying compassion is important caring for people that you've been with in the past is important her medical condition her emotional state that stuff is important but but this is in a way her controlling you by manipulating your feelings it's worked in the past from the background you've mentioned in your letter which is why it's working now and that's why i'm mentioning it i'm not saying the only reason she did this is to control you i'm not saying that i am saying that is part of the reason that this is happening right now in my opinion. And it's working because you're thinking about her and you're planning your life around her. And she should frankly not come back to the States. She needs care at home. She needs to be with her family. Her coming to the States and being cut off from her support network, that is a terrible, terrible idea. If she comes back, you're going to have to block contact, which is, this is a tough thing for me to say because when she, if she comes back, you're her support network. But you cannot... You don't want to let her back into your life. Look, she should not come back to the USA. She should not be in touch with you until she is well. You need to talk to her family about this without her on the phone. Figure it out. You can do it. You know somebody there. You can get in touch with somebody there. You have to figure this out. This is bad news. She's going to keep controlling you as long as she can. She's not even thinking about this in terms of her controlling you, by the way. I don't I don't think um, she needs medical help. You can you need to extricate yourself from this situation or you're going to end up making it worse because she'll have to do something else that's more final to get you to react if she doesn't get what she wants and she doesn't get any better. You cannot put yourself in a position of having even more responsibility here. Right now, your responsibility is to make sure she gets the care she needs. She's going to get that from her family. She cannot get it from you. She certainly won't find it coming back to the States where she's been with you and now you're no longer in the same role. This is a terrible situation, and it's going to be made much, much worse if she comes back to the States. That's why I I, I got this email. Normally, there's like a months-long, you know, Fan Mail Friday thing, and I happened to spot this, and I just immediately escalated this. This is a an urgent situation with dire, dire consequences. You need to make sure she stays with her family. What do you think, Jay? I think you're absolutely spot on on this one. All right, next up. All right, we have something a little lighter this time, Jordan. Oh, good. I think your advice to Nouveau Tech was spot on. I'm slightly disappointed you missed an obvious point, though. The next time the ex contacts her, the reply should simply be, Sorry, you don't have anything to offer me career-wise. 
then go no contact. If the ex doesn't get it, then he has a big problem. Enjoyed the episode as always. Yours truly, Eric. So Nouveau Tech was the girl who was dating a tech founder and all of his, he was doing a startup and he would ditch her all the time to go meet with so-called important people. And now she's a venture capitalist, in other words, in a position to fund startup companies and he's kissing her butt because he wants her company to fund him. And he used to blow her off by saying, sorry, you don't have anything to offer me career-wise. And that's what he said when he broke up with her. And now he's, hey, what's going on? He wants to reconnect because she's in a position of influence. So uh, Eric suggests letting him know that now he doesn't have anything to offer her career-wise. And, dude, burn. Burn, (laughs) Eric. Uh, I didn't have her say this on purpose, though, for two reasons. One, I'm not quick enough. I didn't think of it. And two... I don't think being petty would serve her here. I think she should look professional. The guy does not get that he is a selfish prick. The guy That is completely lost on people like him. He probably is so used to only thinking about himself, he wouldn't even see the error of his ways. He would simply think she was the problem. He might even be vindictive, which means it's just not worth it. Men's egos are dangerous to people, other people, not just them. All right, next. Hi, Jordan and Jason. Longtime fan of AOC from Sydney, Australia here. Your advice to the young-looking female real estate agent in episode 119 was excellent as always. Love that you guys appreciate the impact of seemingly small frustrations most women face every day at work. I want to share one tactic that's been effective in situations where a direct conversation was either not an option or simply not effective in stopping the pet names. The very first time this happens, I'll politely end the conversation with a comment in a friendly tone such as, Thanks, I prefer to be called X, though. Or, the name is X, by the way. If they seem unable or unwilling to remember this, then, along the lines of Jason's Gramps idea, each time they call me hun, sweetheart, darling, love, I'll respond with a pet name of my own. But one more ridiculous and over-the-top saccharine to the point of being noticeably ironic and pointed. It has to be consistent. Respond this way every single time they do this and speak clearly. For example, thanks, sweetheart, will be met with any time, my dearest pumpkin. Personal favorites include honey bunny, baby cakes, precious, and snookums. Combined with raised eyebrows or an unimpressed look, I found this gets the point across in a humorous way without making things too awkward or making myself look hostile or humorless. Men like this definitely don't like to be on the receiving end of this infantilizing condescension, especially in front of others. They've always stopped with the names before I've had to consider involving HR or other legal options or escalating to calling co-workers sugar nuts. (laughs) Anyways, that's a great one. Anyways, sorry for the lengthy rant. I'm over caffeinated. Huge thanks for everything you guys do and for having us ladies' backs. Cheers, Sweet Cheeks. I just want to point out, we did not name her Sweet Cheeks. Nope. She wrote that. <laughs> yep. Just for the record. And I love this. Well played, Sweet Cheeks. Thanks for being a part of the AOC family and looking out for fellow AOC sisters. All right, let's hear from Men Are From Mars. Hey, Jordan. I'm a relatively new AOC podcast listener. You all add a ton of value to my week, and I'm so excited to have found your show. As a stay-at-home mom, I'm often physically exhausted and mentally unchallenged. Y'all help me stay mentally sharp, so thank you. Here's my conundrum. My husband, let's call him Steve, designs guns for a major gun company. It's his dream job and the reason our family and his entire company relocated to Alabama from Kentucky two years ago. We now have a one-year-old and have realized that being closer to family in Kentucky is a priority for both of us. He started looking for jobs back home, and we are planning to leave as soon as he lands one that he loves. All is well on our home front. The problem lies with one of his friendships. Let's call his friend John. John is his work buddy turned hunting buddy turned friend. John is having major issues with his wife. 
Because they're hunters, they're often on hunting trips to a farm Steve's family owns several hours away. John's wife is over it in over Alabama. Recently, she's threatened to leave him, wants to move home, and regularly takes their child back to Kentucky for long trips. This completely shocked John and absolutely no one else. Steve and I could see this coming from a mile away. John is an engineer and supposedly oblivious to social cues. His wife mentioned couples therapy two years ago, which he blew off, and he was still shocked by her desire to leave him. John is selfish, he loves hunting, and too frequently leaves his wife and daughter to fend for themselves while he goes on long hunting trips. Honestly, I'm proud of his wife for standing up for herself. The rub is this, it's eating my husband up. He feels very badly for his friend and wants to try to help. In my eyes, the solution is a clear one. My husband needs to tell John to buck up, follow his lead, and move back to Kentucky. Tell him to lay off the hunting trips and stay home more often. My husband has tried but doesn't really know what his boundaries are. So, for example, my husband and a bunch of his friends have an annual guy trip to the lake planned this upcoming weekend. They go shoot guns, grill out, fish, etc. This is something John always attends and is still planning to attend this year. Steve wants to tell him to stay home and work on his marriage, but doesn't know if that's crossing the line. How can my husband be a good friend without offending John? Where are boundaries in guy friendships? How can I be supportive of my husband while he watches his friend's marriage crumble? Sincerely, men are from Mars. Damn, this is a cold and a hard situation. Like this guy, uh, she's great though for writing in about this. Because, totally. you know, her husband probably won't ask for it. If her husband, the gun designer, is is torn up about this, like, you know, these two guys are out there killing animals and and being being man's men and the the husband is just being torn up on the inside good you know good he's a good person mm-hmm. man men look men need more honest friends men need more honest friends screw the boundaries i mean are they that good at hunting who cares if he's uh, offended by them we're not going hunting no more okay yeah. <laughs> fine i guess i'll find another person to sit in a deer blind with and you know I don't know. I've clearly I've been hunting zero times. Sit in a deer blind and, and drink beer and shoot things, right? I mean, like, come on. Lots of guys do that. You don't need you don't need to be so careful walking on eggshells with your buddy. Worst case is John doesn't take the hint. Maybe he feels awkward, but probably he won't even care. At least your husband can get this off of his back. But to be honest, John is obviously oblivious, willingly or otherwise, and he needs to face reality. He maybe thinks everything is fine because nobody else has said anything yet. Have you thought about that, right? Maybe he is oblivious, but he goes, you know, if it's so bad, one of my friends would have told me. And and now here we are. We've come full circle. There's a good chance that John has no, no good friends, no friends that are willing to talk about this stuff. Your husband can be the sole truth teller and possibly rescue a friend, a marriage, and a father. That's worth the risk, don't you think? Dude, he's totally got to stand up. This is this is great. Yeah, I mean, dang, it's it's it sucks. It's going to be awkward, but you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if John goes, "Oh my God, I know. I just I don't know what to do. I go hunting because I can't stay in my marriage because I don't know what I'm doing, and I I feel like who knows what kind of emotional downpour is going to be unleashed by this that he's never been able to tell anybody." Because he's got a bunch of macho man friends who he goes hunting with and nobody close enough that he can talk to. You know, pop the bubble, man. Cross the line and, and, and cross that boundary and you might find that he's desperate to talk about this stuff.
Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dear Art of Charm, I'm 22 years old, graduated college with a Bachelor of Science degree in exercise science and a minor in biology. I'm determined to be successful in my life, so my fiancé and I are getting out of the small town we were raised in and moving to the city a few hours away. I'm currently working at a daycare in my hometown while trying to find a job in the city. I feel like I'm just wasting time there. Fitness and helping people are definitely what I want to be doing with my life, but being an outsider, it's very difficult to find a good job in my field. Currently, I'm interviewing for anything I can find that makes decent money. I'm hoping to work for a good job for a few years while saving money to open my own gym. The problem is the jobs I've been finding have nothing to do with fitness or my degree. 
and I have no desire to work in a Gold's Gym. I feel like I'm wasting my degree in everything I've worked so hard for. I'm determined to be a success, but I feel stuck. I don't want to be stuck in the boring 9-to-5 lifestyle. It's just not who I am. But according to my dad, I will have to conform at some point. I would like to know your opinion on if I should just settle for a 9-to-5 job until I can open my gym. What's your advice on what I should do to become the success I dream of being? Signed, Jimmy the Gym Rat. Hey, Jimmy. Look, this is about building a brick. And we talk about this in uh, an article on the AOC blog. It's about building a brick, getting skills one by one, building that brick wall so you can do this, the, the mixture of those skills in your business later on, right? So if I look at my life, for example, going to law school, thought I was going to be a lawyer. No, I, I ended up building a brick. Presentation skills, argumentation skills, formulating thoughts in my head, uh, standing up in front of a room, you know, almost at the beginning of my public speaking stuff was built there. Then the law firm, figuring out how to manage expectations, manage projects, things like that. Then, of course, radio, which dovetailed nicely into what I was already doing with the podcasting and mentoring and teaching and things like that. So build that brick. This is about getting your skills for your business later on. And it sounds a little naive to me. Maybe I'm missing something here. You don't want to work in a gym because later you want to open a gym. <laughs> I I noticed that too, yeah. Right? It sounds like you don't want to work in a store getting experience because you want your own store, which for me just like it makes no sense. You're missing an opportunity to make mistakes on someone else's dime. There's mentors all over the place. You can see how gyms are run. You can see how they market. You're going to get an inside look at everything. You'd really need to look for the opportunities inside that experience and then move up the ladder, move to a private gym, and eventually you'll be able to open your own private gym. The idea that you think you can open your own private gym now because you have a degree in exercise and that you like it is, is pardon me, but ridiculous. It's really just not the case. Running a business of any kind involves business skills, not just the skills needed to teach clients the fitness element. So getting an inside look at that while somebody else is showing you how it's done and has already spent tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars figuring out the right way to do it, that's a massive advantage that you'd be a fool to leave on the table. Real talk, you don't even know if you like the work yet. Yep, I did that too. You, you know, you have no idea whether or not you like working in a private gym. It's better to find out now before you're neck deep in debt because you own your own gym already and you don't know how to run it successfully. I mean, there are so many things wrong with this. Jimmy, go work at a gym, then go work at a private gym, then if you don't hate it and want to move on to something else, then open up your own gym. There's something, and this is a very millennial thing, and I'm saying this as a millennial, we want everything the way we want it and we want it immediately. So we don't want to work for someone else. We view it as, oh, this, you know, I'm doing it wrong. We don't want to focus on getting there brick by brick. We want it all at once. And some of this is just ego. There's a part of you, Jimmy, I think if you look at yourself honestly, and I could be wrong, I'm assuming here, there's a part of you that wants to say that you own your own gym and you're going to feel a little bit like a failure if you don't. And that's one of the reasons for the rush, I bet. And I think if you remove that, that sort of ego consideration of I want to talk about this online and tell my friends I own my own gym, it's going to be a lot easier for you to find out what you really need to do to be successful later on versus what you just want to do right now to look like you're successful. And Jimmy, you're 22, right? Get a broom, work at the gym, learn everything. you can. There's a reason that we always talk about people starting in the mailroom and working their way up. Yes. Learn how it works, just like Jordan said. And then, you know, someday you may own your own gym or you may find out that 
you know, having your degree in exercise science has nothing to do with running a business. And you go, I don't like running a business. I just want to be a trainer. You know, you got to find that out, though. So pick up that broom and go go work at the gym. Jordan, we have a note for you. I just wanted to respond to the person from Alaska thinking about moving. I'm in the same situation. I'm moving from Washington, D.C. to Grand Rapids, Michigan. What really helped me was posting in the Grand Rapids Reddit thread. Who knew there was such a thing? I had no idea. Yeah. People were super willing to help with questions and concerns about moving. Hope this helps. Signed, Westbound and Down. <laughs> nice. Uh, this is a great idea. Again, I didn't even know that existed. Asking people on Reddit about areas, usually people passionate enough about their own town to discuss it on freaking Reddit, they're going to be very, very eager to help you, I would imagine. Seriously. You know, like, I'm not on a message board for the Bay Area. I just can't even imagine doing that. But there, I'm sure there are some people that are on message boards for the Bay Area that just know everything about it and can't wait to make new friends and help people move and get settled. That's great. Good idea. No, definitely. I'm going to check out my little uh, town here in Illinois and see if there's anybody on here. I might make some new friends. Get her done. All right, let's hear from Roland Rob. Hey, Jordan. I'm a teenager who just got back from an annual week-long event with an attendance of 800-plus people. I'm a huge extrovert, and I feel really great interacting with everyone, due in part to your awesome advice, although there was one person I was ill-equipped to deal with. I met a girl on day three of the seven-day event. We can call her Eve, and she was interesting to say the least. She was almost the complete opposite of me in terms of personality. She was quiet, low energy, and socially awkward, but somehow she ended up taking on, she took an affinity to me. This was a camp environment, so everyone was together for meals, sessions, and activities. Because of the large amount of people, you'd think it'd be straightforward to avoid one person, but somehow she would find me no matter where I went. I'd be talking to a friend, and she would tap me on the shoulder. I would be trying to get my ultimate Frisbee game on, and she'd ask me where I was headed. Or I'd be sitting down with a group in the session hall, and she would have a seat reserved for me right up in the front row. I'm a nice guy, and I hate making people feel bad, so I always responded kindly, usually offering to let her join in on whatever I was doing. However, I believe I let her on and encouraged her stalkerish behavior by doing this. I disliked having to take the long way around camp, cutting through trees or hiding under the table as she walked in during dinner. It's not that I don't like people. I just didn't want to be her newfound love interest. To make matters worse, I ended up being financially involved. The camp puts on elections and I ran a campaign for senator. Unfortunately, when I lost out of the primaries, I still had shirts left over that didn't sell. My stalker, however, excitedly informed me that her family packs boxes for a ministry that sends items to impoverished countries every year, and if I gave her a discount, she'd buy the rest of the shirts so they could send them off. But it gave her an excuse to talk to me about the details of the transaction, like how many shirts she would end up with, the final price for each, when I would get them to her, etc. This happened at least three times a day. This was a long-winded qualifier to a simple question. How can I avoid clingy people like Eve in the future? I know the t-shirt thing was not the best move on my part, but besides that, is there a kind way to let someone know that their behavior is unwanted and or being a bit creepy? Thanks, Jordan. Signed, Roland Rob. Eve's pretty sharp. She went straight to the wallet. Yep. <laughs> not, not bad. Maybe you should date her, Rob. I don't know. She seems like she's got her, uh, she's got it together. Look, this just occurred to me, but this is probably how women feel all the time. <laughs> True. Hi, True. Jordan. I'm going to follow you everywhere now. I mean, that, that's got to happen just constantly. Here's a rule that uh, I'm playing. I'm rolling around in my head here, and this is just something that just occurred to me while you're reading this. You're not responsible for people clinging to you if you're nice to them and you treat them like a normal human being. And this is for men and women. I don't, there's a, I got a lot of female friends here, okay? And they say things like, 
it's just a bummer that every time I'm nice to somebody, there's a certain percentage chance that they're going to become irritating or, you know, blah, blah, blah. I know a lot of nice women that actually act ruder when they're meeting guys in public that they don't know that they don't have a friend connection with because they're worried about what might happen if they're nice. How much does that suck? That totally right? that sucks. sucks. And I understand it. At first I was like, what? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then you read something like this and you're like, oh, yeah, that probably happens to you like every week. So the rule is you're not responsible if there's negative consequences to you being nice to somebody just in, on a normal day-to-day basis. You cannot not be nice to people because they might be socially awkward or stalk you. And and that goes with my solution here, Rob. Be kind. It sounds like she's just socially awkward. She's shy. She's probably really trying. It might take a lot out of her to call you, approach you. She knows that she's asking you dumb questions about the transaction every time. She just doesn't have a better idea. But it doesn't mean you have to pay the bill here with your time. Complete the t-shirt thing since you already started it and you knew what you were doing getting into it. You knew you had an advantage on her from doing this because you knew she liked you. So you owe it to her to complete the t-shirt thing ASAP and you owe it to her to be nice to her. But don't make plans afterward unless it's in a group or just don't do it at all. And there's no need to crush her ego. She's probably way outside her comfort zone here and she's trying hard because she really likes you. And who wouldn't, right, Rob? You're a great guy. If you aren't accessible, she may find somebody else later on down the line. If it gets worse, though, hit me back. I do have some other ideas here. But uh, I think she's probably just, this, she's got a crush, man. She's crushing, and she doesn't know how to handle it. So she's not being creepy about it on purpose. I think it's just a young girl thing here. But, yeah, now we know how women feel all the time just by going through life. Yikes. All right, last but not least. Hey guys, for the longest time, maybe two years, I've wanted to share my experiences with being bullied while growing up. I've wanted to write about them and talk about them publicly with the hopes that someone else might learn from the things I went through and won't have as hard a time as I had with it. I suffered with self-harm and anorexia for a little more than a decade because of some of what I went through in school. I've moved past it and don't have any ill feelings towards the bullies I dealt with. I have talked to my pastor and a few other people about it, and they all think there is a great nonprofit potential. I'm struggling with going public with this and revealing a dark part of my life, despite knowing it could help someone else. I'm really private with this part of my life and am very nervous about sharing it with the world, even though I know someone might benefit from my story. So I'd love your thoughts on this. How would you go about thinking this through? Thanks a lot, Craig. Hey, Craig. This is a heavy thing to admit. And, you know, it took me when I when I heard that um, when I read anorexia and I saw a picture of the guy on the profile next to this male. I had to double take. There, there's some sort of weird inherent bias in my brain that's like a guy with anorexia. I don't understand. It, it never really landed, but it, of course it's something that everybody can have no matter what. Uh, I think it's probably more common in women, but yeah, guys can get that. I don't know. It surprised me somehow. I'd start by speaking to kids about this. That'll get your message going. You can hone the message. You can create a keynote that you give to schools and churches or whatever for free. Make it, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, whatever kids' attention span is. Normal keynotes for guys like me who talk to companies and things like that are an hour. I I assume for kids it's much shorter. Look for anti-bullying organizations as well. They can perhaps get you started. I'm sure they get tons of requests for speakers, 
especially unpaid. You can go around in your area. You can start to hone the message, and then eventually you can start putting it online, and you can start sort of marketing yourself as such, and you can start helping out these organizations as well. Uh, Jason, do you have any tips on this? Yeah, I was going to say, I know this might sound a little old school, but you can start a blog and start talking to people online and sharing your stories. You can completely do it anonymously until you feel comfortable with your message to actually come out and be yourself in front of these people. And I think that's one of those things that people uh, overlook nowadays since blogging is kind of blasé in some circles, but it'll help you learn how to write and talk and think through all of the issues that happen to you. I mean, I was bullied for years and it scarred the hell out of me and I never really dealt with it. So definitely, if you can get it out of your system while you're younger, you'll be much happier. And if you can help these kids along the way, definitely go for it. But try writing a blog. And here's the thing, you don't even have to publish it to anybody or you can just, you know, Get it out there on the slide. Check out medium.com. Great place to start writing. And like I said, you don't even have to be, you don't have to put your name out there. Just like start to feel what it's like to talk to people. And then it'll it'll move on from that. Doberman asked, Jordan, you mentioned in a past mini-sode Monday to treat people like you'll know them forever, which will change your behavior. And we'll link to that episode in the show notes if you haven't heard it. Great trick that I use all the time to be warmer, which is something I struggled with for years and years and years. Still do. He said, what about people who are jerks right off the bat? Look, do the same thing. If someone's a jerk to you right off the bat, for me, it's even a bigger challenge to be more kind and interested in them, to try to turn them around. It started off as a personal challenge. Now, I like that because when you get through that little shell of crusty, I'm having a bad day, I hate my life right now type stuff, those people can turn into great allies, they can be really nice, sometimes they feel a little bit bad about starting off being a turd, I know that's how I feel when I have those days, and it's really a game changer. Somebody being nice to you can turn your whole mood around, I'm thankful for that. So this is a really, really great way to practice the skills you're learning here at AOC, and it doesn't matter if they're a jerk right off the bat. If anything, it's an even bigger reason to treat people like you, you're you going to know them forever and invest in that little interaction just that little bit. So I decided that maybe I should share some of the documentaries I'm watching. A lot of people ask me about this stuff, sort of on Twitter and whatnot. I watch documentaries like crazy. I read books, obviously, as you guys know, like crazy. Documentary of the week that I saw recently here, Winter on Fire. It's about the struggle for independence in Ukraine. It is on Netflix. Very apropos Independence Day here in the U.S. recently. Independence for a country. These things are very hard won. And you will see in this documentary what it's like when government does not represent the will of the people and has a kleptocracy, corruption through and through, uh, leaning towards Russia. It's really a portrait of what desperation and bravery looks like. And that is on Netflix. We're going to link to that in the show notes. It's called Winter on Fire. And, uh, man, it, it is great. It is a really good documentary. I really enjoyed it. Hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can email us Friday at theartofcharm.com to get your questions answered on the air. I keep everyone anonymous, so you can either make up your own funny name or we can do it. Uh, Jason and I are not as good at making up funny names as you are, so just keep that in mind. If it's feedback for us or feedback for the show, we are fans of strong opinions loosely held. We'd love to argue like we're right course we listen like we're wrong so don't be shy to hit us up over here and if you've got your own advice for some of the people you've heard from today let me know i will pass it along or if it's something that i think can help everyone i may read it on the show a link to the show notes for this episode can be found at theartofcharm.com slash fmf122 and if you're listening to aoc in the overcast player for iphone please click that little star icon it helps in our listings and introduces new people to the show quick shout out to the anonymous fan who gave me some bitcoin 
Ka-ching. That's cool. I really appreciate it. Quite generous as well. I'm into crypto these days, so I'm enjoying messing around with cryptocurrency. And to Nicholas and Amanda Bailey, who invited me to speak at their event, Billion Dollar Body. And also, they listen to AOC. Super young entrepreneurs. Really impressed with what they've done at such a young age. A little jealous, but I'm happy to help. Are you in a strange land listening to my familiar voice? If so, hit me up and I will shout you out. I'd love to hear from you either way. I'm on Twitter at The Art of Charm. It's a great place to engage with the show. JD, you're on Twitter, eh? Yes, I am, Sweet Cheeks. I am at JP Def. <laughs> That's J-P-D-E-F. And you can catch uh, my podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks, every Monday. All right. Don't forget about The Art of Charm Challenge. Text AOC. That's AOC to 38470 in the States. Or just go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. We'll take you step-by-step, becoming better at making professional and personal connections. You'll become a better networker. You'll increase your personal social capital, your charisma. And it's for both guys and gals, so check that out. Text AOC at a red light to 38470 or go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com, including info on our live residential boot camps. We run those every single week here in L.A. If you really want to dig into this stuff, Work on your AOC skills with us as your coaches. That's at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. And we now accept cryptocurrency. Now, stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them.